and welcome to We'd Rather Be Travelling, but instead we're quarantining. I'm Stu Wright. And he's joined by Paul Marshall. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about a little thing in the news called coronavirus and what that means for travel. Nothing good, I'd wager. Definitely not. Unless you're maybe a massive introvert, you don't like people around you. In which case it might be okay, but I still think it's not so good. Yeah, it looks like there are no upsides when it comes to travel and coronavirus. Not at all. So just a quick, before we start us, we just want to give a quick update on the podcast because we have recorded other episodes and we had intended to release a a few episodes this Mm. year, but then this whole coronavirus thing happened. And it kind of put a little bit of a stop on things. It certainly did. It not only stopped the podcast, but it also meant that the podcasts that we'd recorded were probably going to come across as a little bit insensitive, if not very insensitive. So we decided that we'd hold on to them for now. Yeah, it's a little bit out of touch. So uh, we have a few more episodes recorded. We're going to release some hopefully later in the year when this stuff clears up. Also, we're both doing our part to social distance and isolate. Right now, we're obviously not. But in the future, we are intending to kind of sever ties as much as I love sitting in the same room as you. And maybe we can figure out a some kind of, you know, uh, techno- technological system by which to do this remotely. Mm. I know they exist. A uh, Zoom arrangement, a, Zoom a house party, exactly. Jackbox. I think they're all relevant at the moment. Yeah, they're all very relevant. But for now, we will be doing this episode and then we'll probably be going on a little bit of a break. Yeah. Um, but rather than get too bogged down in that kind of stuff. Let's talk about what coronavirus has done to travel. So it's absolutely shut it down almost entirely. There, there's almost no situation where it still happened. I know that there have been a few little instances of travel in the last few weeks, at least here in Australia and the surrounds, but domestically it's all stopped now as of two days ago from recording this. I know some people that still went to, say, New Zealand maybe two weeks ago, that, that kind of thing. Um, but otherwise, right now, it's completely shut down. Yes, it's pretty much shut down all across the globe, really. Um, most countries are going into lockdown, so it makes traveling really dull. Yes. <laughs> and also very difficult. Like, I, there's been a lot of horror stories about, um, you know, uh, even we had some, uh, like, loose friends who went to Chile. Oh, really? Yeah, so they get to Chile and then all of a sudden they start hearing that Australia is closing borders and all, a lot of other stuff is happening. Australian friends? Australian friends, yes. Yeah. Uh, it cost them two and a half grand to book a one-way flight from Santiago back to Sydney yeah. because so many flights are getting cancelled that getting on flights is really, really difficult at this point. Like some, some airlines are only doing one international flight between certain cities a week. Yeah, like some of those flights back from South America to Australia, upwards at the moment of seven to ten thousand dollars potentially. So it's it's really getting out of hand. Yeah, you also have situations where um, I was I was reading an article about some Australian guys who are stuck in the Philippines. Okay. So they are on an island in the Philippines. I'm not sure what island it was. It might have been Boracay. I, I can't remember. Like yeah, um, one of the Filipino islands. They're stuck there, and what's happened is. The island originally was going to have ferry service running back to the mainland so people could go and, and, you know, get flight, you know, get flights from wherever. I'm not sure like the exact specifics. I've never been to the Philippines. However, well, the the ferries were all cancelled. The airlines are only doing like one flight a week. And so these people can't, you can't book that because you don't know if the ferry is going to work. Like you don't know if you're going to get there. And so there are these people stuck on an island and there is coronavirus on the island. Oh, no. Yeah. And I know that obviously getting coronavirus isn't like a death sentence or anything, but still you can imagine the anxiety and like these people, oh, yeah. they, they have jobs, they have, you know, they've got to go home for a reason. Like if I, I was saying to Steph, if we went traveling and this happened and we were stuck somewhere, it would be fine. Both of us can work remote. We'd just be really bored. Yes. But totally. for people who have to come back for jobs, 
Like, yeah, the finances of it all and the fact that they don't know when they're coming back, the health insurance aspect of it all as well, because mm. there are certainly implications there. Um, look, it's all very, very tricky. And yes. no, no one's, as far as I can tell, had a good time traveling any time in the last month. Yeah. Um, in terms of health uh, travel insurance, something yes. worth mentioning, uh, I think the cutoff date might even be sometime in January. It's like quite... Early Early on, really? Okay. Yeah, but if you, unless you booked it before, like COVID was announced, yes, you're not, you're not covered. Yeah, okay. Not even as a pandemic. Okay, like yeah, it was well before then. So I know that China covered up for a little while, but yeah, eventually leaked. But but I think a lot of insurance companies are being like, if you have COVID-related problems, they do not cover. And the time, the time in which it's like the cutoff date is actually really long ago so it's like when no one was taking it seriously interesting yeah yeah because i know here in new south wales at least like it's free for anyone to access covid related health services regardless of whether you're covered by the australian government's health insurance uh, i guess public health system or whether you're a traveler even if you don't have any any form of insurance or anything you're still able to access it and that's the case in some parts of the world but obviously other parts of the world it is very hard to access those services yeah it's I don't know. I personally, I feel really bad for a lot of countries like Thailand where they're hugely based on a tourism economy mm. and you all of a sudden lose all, all of this that. income. Yeah. Like yeah. it's something crazy where they thought there's going to be something like 27 million less people going to Thailand this year. That's a lot. That's a lot of people, right? And Is that roughly 25 million Australians won't be going to Thailand <laughs> this year? I mean, that's the whole population of Australia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, maybe, maybe but like... yeah. The yeah, it's it's kind of crazy when you um when you think about what it's going to do to these people because like what do they do? What if if you run a bar on Copenhagen and you have no one coming? It's what, ghost how, town, do, right? how do you make money? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, yeah, and so then you know you've obviously got these people who live off tourism for their you know their well being and their their income who are impacted. You've obviously got these travellers who are stuck around the world who yeah. are heavily impacted. Uh, but then when you look at some of the travellers, some some of it's somewhat self-inflicted. Would oh, you agree? Yes. I have a great story about this, but I want to hear yours first. Okay. So, so I've got a, a friend of mine who I met traveling. Yeah. I mentioned him once before on the podcast, Tom. So Australian Hi. guy. Grew up Hi, here. Tom. Hey, Tom. Grew up here in Sydney. Uh, met him in at the airport in Russia flying to Armenia. Um, great guy. Awesome to travel with. Uh, like, you know... Loves traveling, so, you know, takes every opportunity he can. So he had a roughly year-long plan to travel, you know, starting in March 2020. Yeah. And he was going to go mainly through Central and South America. Um, he was flying out uh, on the, I think, the 21st of March. He was okay. flying into Mexico. Now, he had a farewell party on the 14th of March. I had a I had a, a wedding that day, so I didn't actually get to go to the, um, the farewell party. But he... At the time, I just assumed that the party was going ahead because parties were still allowed at this time in Australia, but he wasn't going to fly out. I found out seven days later, he still flew out despite all the situation. Yeah. Spent seven days in Mexico before he realized that everything in Mexico was completely shut down. He wasn't able to cross borders, go anywhere else. Had his entire, everything that he wanted to do on the trip was no longer available to him. So he flew back, but not before he got a tattoo of a bottle of Corona on his arm. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh. So that was his seven day slash twelve month long 
True. Ouch. Yes. Okay. Well, you know, it could be worse. It could be worse. He could have got a bottle of Bud Light tattooed on his oh, arm. That'd be horrible. Which would be way worse. Way worse. Um, yeah, I've got a, I've got a pretty, I've got a good doozy like that. Go ahead, tell um, me. So my my cousin, she lives in the UK. Her boyfriend lives here in Australia. So my cousin's British. Lived in Australia for a little bit. Uh, met had a, has a British boyfriend who lives in Australia. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if they're actually boyfriend. I don't know. I don't know the specifics. I'm just. I'm, yeah. No, no titles. Yeah, yeah, no titles. I'm. I'm just going. This is very top level. It's not a daily podcast. Yeah, this is very top level. Uh, so before all this stuff kicked off, she's been living in the UK. He's been living in Australia, and they were like, "Let's go and uh, like meet up in Thailand just before because we know we know we might not be able to see each other for a while." Yeah. So, you know, they decide, let's go to Thailand, we'll do a quick quick trip to Thailand, two weeks in and out, see each other, and then, you know, go back to our respective countries. Yeah. Now, during that two-week trip to Thailand, the Australian government has closed down the border to international... Uh, of course. Uh, ...international visitors. So you have to be either a citizen or a resident. Yes. Her boyfriend is neither of those things. Mm. So, he has a job in Australia. He has a room... As part of a lease in Australia, he has yeah. all of his stuff in Australia. Yes. Yet he's had to go back to the UK. Oh, he's man. lost his job. He has—I don't know what's happening. I don't know if he's still paying his lease or what the jam is. As I said, very top level, like yeah. very surface level, like knowledge of this. But I just imagine how terrible that would be. Right. Like you just you go you go to Thailand and you're like oh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sneak out before this happens and then and you said you're so long. Yeah. yeah. Then you cannot. Go back to Australia, you lose your job, you know, what does this mean for his visa status here? Like, can he come back? Did he want to, did he want to move home? Like, does that just meant that he's like a working Australian holiday is now done? Like, yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, so I actually lost a housemate as well recently over a very similar issue. So quick shout out to Ollie. Oh, poor Ollie. Yeah, the old Scottish housemate. He, um, for all his wisdom, he, look, he's definitely a smart guy, but. Yeah. Doesn't always make the greatest life decisions. Okay. Um, and so basically he had, he went back to Scotland over the Christmas period to visit family, those kind of things. Lost his job just before then. So then decided to spend a little bit of extra time over in Scotland and then come back to Australia via Asia. So Southeast Asia, spent some time traveling around. Yeah. Originally was coming back at the end of January, kept pushing the date back and back and back and got to a certain point where he realized he wasn't able to get into Vietnam to fly back to Australia because Vietnam had closed the borders. Yeah. And so that was the time where, you know, this is in March. So it eventually occurred to him that he's like, maybe I should get back to Australia because I'm not a citizen nor a permanent resident. You know, if I want to go back to the house and the car and all those kind of things I've got in Australia. Didn't, didn't have a job here in Australia at the time because he'd obviously just been he's made. He's still got a car in a house. So he's got, he's got things here. Yeah. Uh, also applied for permanent residency, but hadn't got it granted yet. Yeah. Um, and so then, you know, eventually then got this, all of a sudden got this notice being like, you've got 36 hours to get back into Australia. If you miss that cutoff, only citizens and residents can come back in. So he, I think, was in Cambodia at the time, and Cambodia has no direct flights into Australia, so he was then having to try and get on a bus. I think he was looking at either Bangkok or even to Singapore to potentially fly back to Australia and just couldn't pull it off at the time. Damn. So, Dude, uh, that's heavy. Yeah, lost, lost the house, mate. <laughs> oh, I lost it. I mean, if that's all you lose during this period, fantastic. Yeah, and it's only Ollie. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He'll be right. Yeah, uh, that's exactly right, yeah. It is, it is yeah, it's, it's just crazy thinking about all the people who have been impacted by this. Mm. Um, so, look, I've lost a housemate, but, Paul, I, I know that you've lost 
a, a reasonable amount of things that oh, we have lined up for this year. Okay, so I was I was meant to get married uh, a week ago, two weeks ago. Yeah, that got cancelled. I had a big trip planned in. We, we were going to go. It was Steph and I were going to go traveling for a good year, basically, probably yeah. even more. Um, we were going to leave on the thirty first of March, and we we're going to fly to Georgia. Thirty uh, first of May. Thirty first of May. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we were going to fly to to Tbilisi. Uh, so we're going to go fly to Georgia and then go around Georgia and Armenia, go to Sri Lanka. We mm. actually did an episode on this. Yeah, we did. And whether we can release that or not, we might have to review the episode we'll and see have, how. We'll have to review the episode. But basically, the, the gist of the episode was I was deciding between going to Central America. So going to Central America and doing Colombia or going to Georgia and Armenia, Sri Lanka as like a kind of like beginning of my trip. And I, yeah. I knew Stuart had been to all of those places. And so I wanted him to basically like decide for me. So make yeah. my choice. And I thought it was really cool because we ended up deciding on Georgia, Armenia and Sri Lanka yes. based on a point rating system. And a very, and very good point rating system. Very good point rating yeah. system. And then I booked my tickets and was like, oh, this is going to be so cool. And then yeah. now, of course, it's not, not happening. Yeah. Um, However, it does make me think about what we're most excited to do when all of this is done. Like, what are the trips that we really, really are excited about when this kind of all comes to an end and we can start traveling again? Yeah. So, I wanted to ask you, Stuart, what trips are you really pumped to do when this kind of like comes to a close? Any places that you really want to see? Yeah. So, look, this has been crossing my mind a lot and part of it will come down to exactly when we are able to travel again, of course. I think there will be a really, really beautiful window of travel at a certain point in time and I'd love to kind of go through that window. I think that there'll be a period of time where people are very either wary about traveling and so then we'll you know there'll be a lot fewer travelers on the road which is fantastic it it can be a massive advantage you want some travelers on the road generally but you know if you can remove most of them that's that's pretty ideal yeah Uh, and then you know uh given the the current situation financially for many people it might take them a while to be able to travel again as well which will certainly have an impact on the number of travelers on the road once you know, we're able to travel again, you know, all these governments open up borders, all those kind of things. Um, so it'll, it'll definitely depend on timing, but part of, part of my thinking at the moment is trying to get to places where you always hear about, oh, it used to be so untouched, but now all these yes. travelers are there. There'll be this window where all these untouched places will have that untouched feel again, even if they still have all the, but then they might also have the potential added bonus of having these tourism industries already established. Yeah. So you can kind of take advantage of some of those things whilst also not being like, overwhelmed by travelers so i think somewhere like thailand could potentially be a really cool place in that initial period i 100 percent agree and so I'm, I'm kind of torn in a couple of reasons because i really want to go and see some new places so that's yep. been like one of my like criteria whenever i've been thinking about where i want to travel being like i want to go see some new places yeah so don't go to thailand or japan because you spent a lot of time there sure uh however i do think going to thailand in this time like in that window that you speak about yep. because there will be a period where Particularly, like, and I mentioned earlier about Thailand being a tourist economy. So much of their income relies on tourism. And there is going to be a time where there is going to be very few tourists, but they're going to open up again. Yes, that's exactly right. And it's it will be an incredible time to go to Thailand. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like Nepal could also fit into that a little bit because I feel yeah. like there are some hikes I'd love to do. and But part of that, like hiking in Nepal is very seasonal. Yes. So you want to get the right season as well. And so a lot of that will end up... And also like same with, you know, even Thailand. You don't yeah. want to go to Thailand in August or September because it's just going to be raining every day. Right? Yeah, exactly. So it will... A lot of it will really depend on when 
when you're when we're able to go again like when yep. are we able to travel I, I the place that i kind of want to go to is sri lanka okay because i think lots of tourists in sri lanka so that will kind of like help yeah if you can catch that window also sri lanka seems like a place that you can go to all year round based on the uh, interseasonal monsoons yes so right. basically sri lanka has monsoons all year round but it's only in parts of the country yes so like you'll either have it in the in the east in the west in the south in the north so you'll always get a monsoon but you'll always have a place that's fine yeah and so not the same with thailand um you you know thailand much more than i do uh no thailand has defined wet and dry seasons there's different there's different places in thailand that get affected differently by it but it generally speaking is you have one climate for the whole thing essentially okay uh some there'll be weather systems that affect the north versus the south because it's a long country as well, so yes. uh, you'll have different weather systems that affect it. However, generally speaking, it's like you have wet and dry season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. So makes sense. I think I don't know. I think it's the I think Sri Lanka is in a really unique position because of it is the meeting point of different monsoons. Yeah, yeah, sure, that makes sense to me. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I, I got no idea. <laughs> no this geologist. No, yeah, is that no? That's not even the, the thing that matters here. That's rock. But I'm also <laughs> also definitely not a geologist, yes. as I've clearly made very yeah. clear right now. Made that very clear. Yeah, meteorologist is probably the term I was looking for. Mm. Um, so, look, I I do wonder though because there are other places that I already had on my radar. So South Korea and India were very high up on. My radar, and so it depends when travel opens up as to where yeah. I would consider those places. India, obviously, being quite a large, large uh, country, you know, there are different obviously climates all around. There could be times where it's really good to go to India, regardless. Um, if it happens to be over the southern hemisphere summer, Patagonia could be really cool. Yeah. So, like, obviously, long days, lots of really cool hikes, and then, like, my understanding is that I, I, I've been there once before. It was about ten years ago. Yeah. Um, I understand that tourism has really boomed over that ten-year period, so it could hopefully go back to the, you know, the, the lighter days where you're not kind of constantly bumping into other hikers and tourists and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, one of the trips that I um. Well, something that I'm hoping to do. Uh, mm-hmm. We have some friends who are getting married in New York in, well, I'm not going to say when because who knows, right? But you, can you say the original day? June. June, okay. In 2021. Okay. Yeah. 2020. Okay, sure. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so our plan was to, well, one of the plans that we've had, loosely had is to go to um, start in South America and make our way up to New York. Yeah. So flying to uh, Santiago Track like do Patagonia or like fly to either Buenos Aires or Santiago, do Patagonia, make our way up to Peru, uh, like go through Peru, Ecuador, go to Colombia, then yeah. go sail the San Blas to, um, to Panama. Yeah. There we go. That's it. Yeah. So get to Panama and then make our way up through Central America. Uh, yeah. Lovely. Yeah. So that was, that was something that we had planned and that would be something that I'd really love to do. Uh, because it just makes it's like a nice route to go to kind of get to like if we're going to go and we're going to do like this big route of travel and we want to go and we have like a destination at the end of it yeah that's always really nice when you have like this is our end goal like we really want to get to this place and so that's something that i really want to do um not again it, it all depends on when things open up yeah but i'd be interested to see how i mean i i've been to panama and i've been to mexico but i'd be interested to see how those countries behave in the wake of this like when they do finally open up the borders and what kind of atmosphere you find there yeah from you talking about the locals in this situation locals and tourists like both 
you know, like yeah. how, just what, what, what is it going to be like for me to travel through there at that time? Yeah, totally. Because one thing that, you know, we notice here in Australia, at least I notice here in Australia is that people, or people go one of two ways. People either become a lot friendlier, but also from a distance. Yeah. And people are, you know, very quick to say hello and they're obviously missing those things in their life or people are just like, just super kind of anxious and cautious and, you know, avoiding almost everything they can in daily life. Yeah. But then when I compare Australian life to Latin life, like the Latinos are generally a lot more vibrant, a lot more friendly, a lot more kind of, uh, you know, handsy. handsy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's the most appropriate word, but that's also think, definitely the I most appropriate it's, word. It's the most accurate word. Uh, and so I just wonder how like that aspect of life is kind of impacting Latino life. Cause that is so, so just in kind of, just ingrained in their culture. Yeah, I was reading something from someone in Mexico City who was like talking about this and how difficult it's going to be for them to uh, kind of like move away from that handy culture. Like, yeah. or even even in um, in uh, Africa, you okay. know, yeah, where people. So we have a friend who um, who's from Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were actually going to like there was like a loose plan to go and visit him in Zimbabwe. He came like he was living here for a while, and one night he got really drunk and. The first thing he does is he like goes to hold my hand. Yeah. And so we were just walking around the streets holding like each other's hands. And it's just part of African culture. That's what you do. Yeah, of course. And you notice it in different parts of the world. Like I, I find it generally speaking, I find the irony is that it's often the places that are most homophobic. I know. That are also the places where it's most acceptable for a man to hold another man's hand, for example. Uh, which I, I think it should be very acceptable for, should, a man to, for a man to hold another man's hand. Absolutely, I, I, I agree. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Oh, it, look, it is absolutely lovely. And I completely agree with that sentiment. But I just, it, it blows my mind that they're happy to do that. But then the, you know, the concept of, you know, a man loving another man is just abhorrent to them. That, yeah. they, those two things don't align for me. No. But I, I did notice in Iran where I believe it is illegal to be, or it definitely is illegal to be yes. gay. I believe it's possibly a stoning i i i'm not sure but i do i do have a fun fact about this well no it's a really unfun fact actually so iran i'm pretty sure and don't quote me on this okay but i never would i know you never i mean i wouldn't trust anything i say but iran has an incredible like one of the highest rates of um uh re- gender realignment surgery oh okay yeah in the world yeah wow because they're totally fine with you doing gender realignment surgery interesting but they're not fine with you being gay Interesting. So, if you're like, I like men, it's way easier for you to become a woman. Okay. Even if you are like, you know, like even if you don't identify as a woman, it's just like a way for you to kind of not be persecuted. Sure. Because does that gender realignment count as plastic surgery? Is that the same? Is that, would that come under that? I don't know if you know. I have no idea. I'm not sure why I'm supposed to ask. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know this is not the worst person to ask. (laughs) I write for a video game company too. I do know that plastic surgery, uh, this is very anecdotal, but plastic surgery is through the roof in Iran. Yeah. The amount of times I saw people with bandages on their noses because they just had nose uh, jobs nose jobs, and would be very open about talking about it. The amount of times that people would just tell me they've had a nose job. And then also the amount of hair transplants you would see because people would just be bleeding out of their newly created hair follicles in their head. Really? It was just constant. And How, I, how often did you see the hair transplant, speaking oh, as a guy who's losing his hair? Uh, daily. Like, really? I, multiple daily. Like, it was... There was a lot. And it was just... It's just obviously part of the culture. So, whether, you know, those two are somewhat kind of hand-in-hand, hand, I'm not too sure. But Yeah, crazy. Yeah. So, I had, a, um, I had a moment in Budapest. So, when I was doing my last big trip, I... Um, 
I, I had like my hair was quite my hair's always been quite long. Yep. Which it really isn't at the moment. So right now I've, I always do short hair, but my hair like historically has always been really long and shaggy. Mm-hmm. And I was in like I started traveling, started in Mexico, and I was noticing that I was losing a lot of hair. Yeah. And I just it was the first time I'd noticed it, you know, and I just yeah, yeah. I just freaked out. Yeah, and so yeah. I went full panic stations about like me losing my hair. And then I found out that there was like a, a like a hair replacement surgery thing that I could do in Budapest. <laughs> so I actually went to the place investigated, okay. and I investigated it. And it was one of the most awkward, like embarrassing moments of my life going into this place and realizing yeah. what they did is they took the hair from your back. Oh. And put it on your head. Because what's your back hair situation like? Not great. As okay. in like, I don't have enough. <laughs> okay. So that was the feedback? Well, no, I just kind of looked at it and the pe- people there were just like, what the fuck is this guy doing here? Yeah. And I, I, then I asked myself, what the fuck <laughs> am I doing here? Yeah. And, and then I think after that moment, I just kind of decided, and I, we went to one of the bars. You know how they have in, in, uh, in Budapest, they have these incredible bars. Oh, they're amazing. Yeah. yeah so yeah. these bars are like water parks, but they're just yeah. like insanely good. And there was this dude that i saw walking past and he had a, he had a bald head like completely shaved good beard like chiseled jaw like was really well built yep. and was just a babe like he was just that like, really really good looking yep and steph and i saw him and i was like i could be that guy <laughs> even if i lose my hair like that's still me that's... like i could still do that and i and then after that after i saw that bloke i was like i don't give a fuck about losing my hair Beautiful. and then and then as soon as that happened i've like like, you're looking at my head right now. Yeah. I'm not really losing my hair, am I? No, you're no. fine. It was yeah. just a big panic moment for me. Like, I started losing a bit. Yeah. And then I kind of lost it. And I was like, oh, my God. But I'm not really losing it. I so. think that every male sometime in their 20s or 30s has that absolute panic attack for whatever reason. Yeah. Sometimes I think it's just the light that falls on your hair weirdly yeah. one day. Well, okay. No, I'm definitely I'm definitely going, like, thinner on top. Right? Sure. Okay. Definitely happening. However, yeah. not to the extent that... It just means I can't have long hair anymore, right? Yeah. So, I used to have long hair and now when I have it, it becomes like a... It's like a bit shit. Yeah, okay. You know? Which is not a huge amount to do with travel. No, no. We digress a lot here. We digress a lot here. All right. Well, I'll quickly go back to, I think, the original question for this segment. Like, places that I'm looking forward to traveling to, (laughs) potentially. Um, So, other places that have definitely crossed my mind beyond uh, Patagonia, India... South Korea and Thailand. Yeah. Um, so there are definitely parts of South America, which I, so I haven't been to Ecuador or Bolivia. And okay. I've been on my radar for a while. Yep. I think Bolivia in particular would be great at this time because my understanding is like, there's a lot of tourists there and yeah. everyone I've ever spoken to has been to Bolivia just says that they just meet so many Australians. Yeah. And I would love to go to a place where you would traditionally meet so many Australians and, and go none. there and meet absolutely none. Or even just a limited amount. Yeah. Like, take a limited amount. I, I find that like, because I, I, I think the same thing. I used to, when I was traveling and I was younger in Southeast Asia, I used to mm. crack the shits because you'd go and meet, everyone you'd meet would be Australian. Yeah. And I remember there was these guys we met at a bar in Koh Samui. Yeah. Uh, and they, they we were like, oh, where are you guys from? And they're like, Bondi. Hmm. And we're like, so you're not even going to say Sydney. You're not even going to, like, you're going to say Bondi. That's yeah. where you're from. And I'm like, you wankers. And yeah. I, there's been a lot of that. And I feel like a lot of, like, going to Southeast Asia lately has been no Australians. Like, haven't met any. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like a lot of them have just kind of gone to South America now instead. So all these, like, so when we were mm. young, we, everyone would go to Southeast Asia. Yeah. And then now all those same people, like, are going to South America. Or yeah, Central America. Yeah. And look, I get the feeling that it's much more South as opposed to Central. I feel like Central is still kind of got a lot more North Americans there. Yeah. You meet a lot of Americans. You definitely do. Um, 
Yeah, and then I guess beyond potentially Bolivia and Ecuador, I would also consider um, West Coast Canada, uh, depending on the time of the year that it opens up, because it's meant to be absolutely stunning. So uh, this is probably a conversation. Well, actually, no, I think this probably fits. Uh, so I have I've got godparents who have a, a house in like a holiday house in Salt Springs. Which is like is that a, in Canada. I don't it's, in, it's, it's just outside of Vancouver. Okay, um, so it's a, it's like an island outside of Vancouver, and it's where all these like old hippies go go and live. So it's like all these rich old hippies, and they just smoke nice. weed, and like it's like this weird little. Community. Is that being flooded at the moment with the whole like people isolated? And I, I have there? no idea, but the yeah. only like the way that you get there is via seaplane. Uh, so my godfather has a boat, so we went by the boat. Yeah. The girls flew the seaplane because the boat gets like really rough, and we just went with my godfather and were like, "Well, like on the waves." Yeah, yeah. But it was the we, when we went back, we left the boat there, and we all flew by the seaplane. So the west coast of Canada, it's the only time I've ever flown in a seaplane. Cool, cool. Yeah, I, and it was exceptional. It was very fun. I've never done the seaplane. I'd love to, dude. It's so much fun because this is like a, a tiny. Yeah, it was like, it was, uh, there was six of us. I okay. Six yeah. or, no, maybe like, yeah, six, seven, maybe eight tops. Yeah. Absolute tops. Yeah, cool. And the driver was just like, and you, like, I was sitting, so I was sitting diagonally back from him, like the seat just back, and you see yeah. him, and there's just this board of all these knobs and buttons and mm. whistles, and he's just like smashing away at them, doing all this stuff, and I'm like, what are you doing? This is amazing. Totally. There's part of me that thinks they're always button bashing. I, I did mention that I think the very first episode of would rather be traveling, but I got in on a four person plane when I was in Florida. Yeah. And, um, just seeing or Bobby fly the plane oh, Bobby, and just be like, he qualified as a lawyer. So I'm not sure he definitely had his pipes license, but I'm just kind of like, I'm sitting there being like, I'm n- I reckon we'll land this plane, but I'm not sure if you actually know what you're doing right now. Like, you've obviously done this enough to land, but you're pressing a lot of things and you just feel like, I feel like you're trying to impress me more than anything yeah. else. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I can I can definitely recommend seaplanes. Uh, one of our friends, Jack Wright, he was on a flight in, I believe it was Norfolk Island. Yeah. And he was going around, it was one of the glider planes and he was sitting there and everything was fine and he's going to land. It was really nice. And then... Uh, over the radio, uh, he heard someone like shouting through the thing, being like, wheels, 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 oh, wheels. No. And then the dude like hit something oh, and they land God. fine. And the guy who was like flying, it was just like, so how was your, uh, <laughs> how was your flight? That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I know. Um, but I guess just quickly, at the moment, Europe is definitely not on my radar. Mm. Um, and whether that's COVID related or just because I'm not interested in traveling there, you know, it's hard to specify. Yeah. And then when it comes to sub-Saharan Africa, I'd love to go, but I don't have enough confidence yes. in the agencies that are going to open up safaris and all those kind of things that require you to, you know, enjoy your travel in Africa to be fully functional at the time. And so that's the kind of place where I'm like, it'd be awesome to go, but I feel like I want to, you know, get a report on that kind of place being up and running and really kind of, you know, Full, full guns blazing kind of thing. So I have two Africa trips planned. Yeah. Okay. Go on. Um, one of them starts in Rwanda, uh, and I, I just I love Rwanda. I was been fascinated by it since I studied the um, the genocide that happened there. Yeah. Then I met these dudes who made a documentary about cycling in Rwanda, and it's got amazing cycling. And as you know, I love cycling. I do. Um, 
I really, really want to go there. And it's kind of like the Singapore of Africa in terms of what they've been able to do with their economy. And, you know, they do have the, like, the standard of living in Rwanda is actually really good. I feel like you should be in the marketing team for a while. Mate, I, I, I've actually been hanging out with this. I've gone and had beers with this Rwandan guy in Sydney. Okay. Because uh, he works with Steph's mum and found out that I was really interested in going to Rwanda. So, we went out and had beers and he's just been telling me about stuff and like trying to hook me up with his friends who live there mm. and like gave us a bunch of Rwandan coffee. And he's like, apparently pr- friends with the president of Rwanda. Or like I the mean, prime minister, like whatever it is. Who so, isn't? But yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. But like, so, so you know, like I've been really keen to go, yeah, go wow. to Rwanda. Yeah. So I wanted to do a trip where I start in Rwanda um, and then go overland through Uganda, Tanzania, into Kenya, and then, or is it no go Rwanda, Uganda, Kenya, Tanzania, and sure, then yeah. go into Zanzibar and then fly yeah. from there. Yeah, um, which is something that I really want to do. But again, like you said, uh, I. As much as I trust Rwanda, I don't know how much I trust a lot of the other kind of areas. And if something like, let's say, for example, I do get sick for whatever reason, how much do I trust the healthcare systems there? Sure. Probably not a huge amount. So I feel like that's going to be pushed back a little bit. Another, another trip that I have is going to Zimbabwe with Bex, which is the guy I spoke about before with the hand holding. So he's a, he's a legend. He lives in the UK, but he's also like kind of, I don't know. I don't know what the gem is. I think he's like a prince. So he's like, Awesome. Got it. Got it. He has like a he, he has a massive tomato farm. I know that much. He's and a prince. He's definitely yeah. a prince. And he had to go. He had to go home and uh, kill a cow at Christmas time. So it was like this big thing. So he had to fly to Zimbabwe to go Very and kill like activity. Yeah. yeah. So I had to go and like ceremonially like, kill the cow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so I want to go to Zimbabwe with him because I just yeah. think that experience would be amazing. Amazing, right? Yeah. Totally. So those are the two African trips that I want to do. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do either of them soon i hope i can yeah um look yeah i I completely get that and i feel like when when it comes to you know africa like you know there's so many things that will be awesome and so like i hear zimbabwe has some incredible safari trips as well but like you you just want to know you're actually going to get there like it's a long way to go to find out that it's, it's not operating properly yeah and yeah like you know there are so many so many places around the world where I feel like even if like the operations weren't in place, you'd still be able to have a great trip. And I just don't know if that's, that's true for some parts of the world. I would, I would agree. I think, uh, I think if I I, like harking back to what you said about the places that used to be untouched and now aren't, I honestly think going to Thailand would be incredible. Yeah. I think Thailand, even Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam. Vietnam. I I would say Laos is still, Laos will still be fine. There's still a lot of places in Laos, which are pretty like untouched. I mean, even in Thailand, there are tons of places which are untouched. We went to this place um, called Loi, which is, it is famous with Thai tourists because it's the only place in Thailand that gets cold. Oh, wow. So it's like the altitude that it's on and something about the positioning in Thailand. It's like the Mm. one place where you can go and wear a jacket. And so it's imagine like, that—that's that, a selling point. But it's a not. But think about it for Thai people. Oh, it's, it's like, a novelty. It's a massive novelty. You've yeah. never you, okay. Let's say you can't like a lot of Thais. It's like very hard for them to travel outside of Thailand. Mm. You've never experienced cold weather before. Yeah. Like you've never you, like you see you see people in the movies. You see people like like your all the clothing stores in Thailand sell jackets. Yeah, yeah. Why would you ever need to wear one? Yeah. Right? You don't because it's so hot. And so imagine that novelty of going to Loy <sighs> and then wearing jackets and being cold. And so, yeah, it's this weird little town. But going there was like, I was like, this is completely off the beaten track. Yeah. No other Western tourists. It's all Thai tourists. And all the Thais you see us are just like, what are you guys doing here? Like, what the hell? So yeah. 
I feel like there is still places like that in Thailand, but it'd be cool being able to go to like, say some of the Southern islands that are now pretty garbage yeah. and being able to be like, oh, this is how it was like 20 years ago, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. And I think those places, have, they've done a lot recently in terms of cleaning it up in terms of all the, all the actual garbage that's there, the literal garbage. Yeah. Um, and so then you remove the figurative garbage of the, the tourism. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and it could be, it could be stunning. So, okay. So you've obviously highlighted Thailand as a potential. Yeah. Uh, Thailand is my, I want to, um, I want to go and see something untouched that will never be untouched again. I'm getting, so I've rescheduled my wedding for November. Fingers crossed. Yep. It happens. Of course. Uh, if for whatever reason there is a window in which it is okay to travel before then, I think I'd just go straight to Sri Lanka. Yeah. So cool. I'd just fly to Sri Lanka, go and spend a month there or something and then fly back for the wedding. Yeah. Then I think after the wedding, I would probably do South Central America, I think. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, look, I mean, Southeast Asia always twists my arm. I can never help myself. Of course. So it just, it all, look, it all just depends. It's so hard. It's hard to say, but there's, there's a lot of stuff that I'm interested in. Uh, Africa, obviously, when the time is right. Yeah. And I think, look, I guess with Africa as well, like they have been slower to have cases of coronavirus. And so whether that's for testing or just the fact that, you know, the travel from originally, you know, uh, China, China Hubei, all the way to Africa has just been a lot more kind of delayed. Well, there was, I saw something the other day where um, the, it was the, I can't remember what country it was. It was one of the uh, African countries where it was like Burkina Faso or something. And it was like the yeah. one country in the world that doesn't have a case of coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. And they asked the president, like, well, like the prime minister or like the, like whatever they have whatever the political system is if they have one <laughs> yeah right well like why why don't you have like what's your secret to not having any people with coronavirus and like oh it's simple we don't have any tests <laughs> yeah. look i mean the usa had that approach for about a, three weeks before it all fell apart from and them. look how well it's done for them yeah well because my other favorite country in terms of coronavirus is belarus i don't know how much you've been following oh so they they yes. their football competition soccer has just started up for the season two weeks ago and yeah. so Despite everywhere else in the world putting a complete hold on that, they've gone ahead. So they're now two weeks into their competition. Their president has come out, or prime minister, whatever they have, government, if they have a government, yeah. has come out and said that there are, <laughs> there are two things to consider here. There are two ways to approach it. We need to remember that vodka kills coronavirus. Vodka? As well as farming. <laughs> so farming and vodka are definitely taking care of coronavirus. Or they're still getting, you know, thousands of people to the stadiums each week each week to watch these football games live. So you only football only only pretty much only sport as far as I know worldwide it's still going ahead. What about esports, mate? Oh, sorry. Mate, that's that's what's it's keeping me employed, man. Come okay. on, like Apologies. The only sports without the letter e in it okay. it's still going worldwide M- that- M- much applied <laughs> okay yeah. you should uh you should uh, we should jump on a zoom call and you should watch some games with me i can talk Let's you do it. it yeah i've definitely got time my yeah. social life has definitely taken a nose oh mate, it hasn't adjust yeah. all right so so there are obviously potentially some great destinations in the in the coming future and who knows yeah. when that will be um but are there things that people should watch out for do you think i it's so hard to say I would say that there's going to be a lot of scams. Uh, tra- I reckon there'll be a lot of travel-related scams as well when you first yeah. come in. Like, there'll be people who'll be like, oh, you have to get this coronavirus test or you have to do this thing. And there's going to be a lot of people taking advantage of the situation. Yeah. So, I would be wary of that. I would also say that there'll be some countries where people won't be receptive to you as well, which sure. I think would be kind of like, it'd be really unfortunate because I think one of the biggest things about 
going to another country is to experience life and culture with the locals. Definitely, yeah. And if you go to a country and the locals don't want to have anything to, to do with you, then I don't see much of a point going to that country. Because there's definitely a fear of the unknown at the moment around the yes. world. And look, there's obviously a lot of subtle and then very upfront racism here in Australia. And I can only imagine oh, that yeah. that's, you know, I guess it's been amplified for coronavirus. Dare I say it's been in the country for yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you know and I can only imagine that's also the case around the world and then just like seeing other tourists around could certainly you know alert people's kind of you know you know kind of make people alarmed in certain situations so yeah look that's a that's a good point and then scams I think are only going to increase once the actual the whole you know severity of the situation kind of dies down people then really yeah start to take advantage I think that there will be some very good opportunities to get cheap flights, I would imagine. So I've I've had two theories behind this. Oh, give them, give them to me both. So I'll take one, a side. One one theory I've heard is that there's going to be an abundance of cheap flights and cheap hotels. Okay. Uh, and that people once this clears up, everyone's going to be putting on these mad deals, and you're going to be out, it's going to go back to the days of last minute flights. Okay. So. Basically, the, there's this romanticism around being able to get a last-minute flight doesn't exist. So, yeah. what basically airline companies realized was that if you, the only people who book last-minute flights, besides idiots like us, are business travelers, and business sure. travelers don't pay for their flights. Yes, right. It's the company paying for it, and so they're like, they don't care how much they spend. Yeah. And so, last-minute flights just got completely thrown away because basically they know a company's paying for it, so they yeah. just jack up the price and, you know, it means that they know that we're going to pay it anyway, right? Definitely, yeah. What the theory is, is that last-minute flights going to come back. So, you're going to be able to get good deals as a last-minute traveler. Um, there's going to be another a bunch of other, like, circumstances that are going to make for, like, really easy and cheap traveling. But then the flip side of that, is that things are actually going to jack up the price because they know that there's only going to be a certain amount of people who are going to want to travel and they want to capture that market and squeeze as much money out of them. Okay. So I've heard both arguments. I don't know which one I side with yet. I'm kind of waiting to see it. Interesting. But I can see the logic in both of them. Yeah, look, definitely both. You know, I, I agree. Logic to both of them. I would lean towards the first in terms of flights and accommodation. In terms of things like... Uh, you know, travel packages in terms of things like a tour, in terms of things like a safari, for example. I feel like they will be the things that will be expensive. They'll know that they have a very small market. They'll have a, a market where they've probably already got flights into a country. They have to kind of, you know, take up these options if that's the way they travel. So that's my thinking on the situation. But of course, you know, how can you know until it actually takes place? Yeah, I, I would say that I'm kind of leaning towards flights will be cheap. No, sorry. I think flights will actually be expensive. Okay. I think um, flights will be expensive, but I think that accommodation will be really cheap. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be really interesting because there's been this thing that's happened with Airbnb where so many people who've had Airbnbs are now no longer able to rent them. And so, they've all turned them into long-term leases. Yeah. And so, all these properties that used to be Airbnbs are now actually going to be long-term leases. Interesting. Yeah. Which is going to take like thousands of Airbnbs off the market around the world. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to end up with a situation where there's going to be way less Airbnbs, like, which, you know, might not be a massive impact, but it does affect stuff, you know. Definitely. And then a lot of people have a travel vouchers. Yeah. And so they have an expiry date. 
the one travel voucher I have, the expiry date has already been extended. I imagine that... What's, extension- what's, what's the travel voucher you have? Oh, I was flying down from Sydney to Melbourne return. So okay, it's yeah, yeah. very minor. Okay, yeah, yeah, But, yeah. Uh, you know, and that's one, like, you know, that's, you know, a small example. But obviously people have thousands of dollars worth of travel vouchers in their pockets, yeah. which... You know, at some point in time, they're going to have to kind of cash in and yeah, and kind we've, of take advantage of. We've we've been speaking with Qatar. Well, we haven't been speaking, but we've been like keeping an eye on because our flights are with Qatar to get to to Yeah. Uh, the what is said so far is that we can get a voucher, but the yep. voucher only has one year validity. Yes. And then we're also like, well, we don't really want to, based on timings, we don't really want to fly to anywhere that Qatar flies. Yeah, sure. You know, like that's, that's not how it works, right? I think there were a lot of people in that situation. I yeah. I think. Uh, now I think that they're actually doing refunds as well. Mm-hmm. So refunds exist. Uh, maybe it might mean taking a hit of like 200 bucks for like a service fee or something. Yeah. But I'm like, that's worth it. Oh, like you the, totally take it in the scenario. Yeah. They're giving, I think they're putting 10% on top of their voucher price so you get the voucher plus 10 percent. yes okay. which is great but it just yeah. means i think that the flexibility is not it's not worth it for me right so yeah. we've been looking at that and uh they have said on their website or when you call them they basically say if your flight is with like not within the next week please don't like disturb us yeah yeah so they're so basically it's like they're doing things on a week by week basis yeah which is crazy so we tried to call to be like let's just try and get a refund and they're like call us when your flights a week out (laughs) yeah yeah so So, you're still uh, what seven weeks away from giving yeah 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 yeah. so but yeah i mean that's crazy man yeah definitely well so for instance my brother had a a trip to peru in about 10 days time yeah so he was also doing a what 20 day tour over there or something like that so he's now got a 110% voucher for that tour so obviously once they open up again he can do a tour with that agency and then do something with them uh my parents had a flight uh to japan they have they've been refunded in money oh very uh, good but they got 100% of the refund but the thing was that when my dad booked the flights the Australian dollar was much stronger compared to the yen than oh, it is now. No. So he got 130% back. So he was getting, so the yen was much stronger. He bought them in yen just because yeah. it was a Japanese airline. Yeah. So the best investment he's ever made in his entire oh, life. Oh, it sounds good. Okay, yeah, great. I was he's like, done I'm very well. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So we should, or should have been buying airline tickets. Yeah, definitely. Getting refunds. Yeah. With the Australian dollar just crashing at the moment, you should oh, definitely okay. have bought, yeah. <sighs> That's going to be another painful thing when we start traveling again. Definitely. Oh God, our dollars sucks. It's going to be so hard. We actually we had um we had a bunch of money in the US that we just moved back to Australia and got a very good rate on it. Beautiful. However, at the same time, I'm kind of like, yeah, but if we go traveling, then but who knows? Like, you know, you can never tell what's going to happen. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, I feel like we've talked about a lot of uh, you know doom and gloom. Not yes. necessarily doom and gloom, but like you know, we've we've had some we've had some complaints and we've had some problems, and I think it's probably time to move on to travel legends and losers. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, I'll go first if yep. you want. Uh, so I've got a travel legend. Are we going just all positive here? Or all we positive. All no positive. losers. Sorry. I, I, okay. that, force of habit. We only do legends now. Fair enough. Um, so one of the travel legends that I'm going to put forward, uh, a Dutch girl I met traveling when I was going through Central America quite a few years ago, uh, Mariella. Mariella. So I remember I met Mariella in Costa Rica. So I was... You know, making my way down south through Central America at the time, was traveling with these two other American guys, definitely forgotten their names right at this very moment, but <laughs> could definitely pull them out if I really tried. Uh, and then, so those two American guys had 
connected with Mariella through couch surfing, but just like the friend aspect of couch surfing. So she was, she had a three, uh, two week trip in Costa Rica planned with her boyfriend at the time. That relationship broke up. Unlucky. Um, they, both of them decided they would still go ahead with the trip. So they still sat next to each other on the flight to and from Costa Rica from oh. the Netherlands. Um, but then just part of the, part of ways once they landed. So like absolute credit to her and I guess to the, the boyfriend as well being like, yeah, like we're still happy to we sit next to each other and then you know, part ways. And my understanding is that the, the trip home was actually, they got along pretty well. They just talked about how, how much they enjoyed their two weeks in Costa Rica. Nice. So that, that's really cool. Uh, but yeah, she was an absolute legend. So, um, would, yeah, just like, you know, very, very out there. Like we did a whole bunch of like waterfall jumps and very adventurous stuff the whole time. She was super keen to get into it. And I think like, I definitely got the vibe that she, was just having the best time being like, I think she went into it being like, my trip's over. Like, you know, I suppose it was my boyfriend relationship fell apart, had this two weeks together, like really cool. And then in that same trip, I ended up going to the Netherlands. So I spent a bit of time in Amsterdam where she was living. So I even like caught up with her for lunch, just absolute legend. And then most recently, so still like a little bit of contact with Mariella. So she climbed a volcano in Guatemala, which I've also climbed a, a volcano called Akatenango. Uh, she, it's a two day hike. So she went up, went up Akatenango. And by the time she came down, she found out quarter mile was closing the border. Oh no. Uh, so traveling with now boyfriend, I assume it's not the same guy that she broke. Maybe not. Who knows? Who knows? It's a mystery. Um, and then had to like kind of bust to the border of Guatemala and Mexico. They got, they hired bicycles, cycled across the border, somehow got into Mexico. I don't know the final details and then got a flight out of Mexico Back into the Netherlands to make it back home. That sounds like quite the story. Pretty incredible. I'd love to get some finer details, but that's that's the top level. Next time you're in the Netherlands. Yes. Um, cool. Well, my I was gonna. So I've got like your story reminded me of a travel legend. I want to do a quick shout out in terms of travel legends of all the flight attendants that are still flying. Oh, yes, definitely. Absolute legends, just to make sure that like you know people can get home and whatnot. For so sure. That's my little travel legend. Yeah. But my other travel legend, I was just going to do the flight attendants, but then you reminded me by this Dutch girl, this Dutch guy that I met in China in Shanghai. Okay. This guy called Bernard Lagerden. Very Dutch name. Yeah, very Dutch <laughs> name. Some some last name I can't describe. But anyway, we met him. Really nice guy. Uh, ended up buying us like a, we, we went out for some beers and he's like, was talking about how shit all the Chinese beers are because they make them so weak. And so I ended up buying yeah. us tons of shots. He's like this business guy who just hung out there. Yeah. Uh, then we went out with him and we ended up like, they have these little motorbikes, like motorbike chassis with these little glass cages on the back. Yeah, yeah. And you sit like two people in the glass cage and then we just got like four people in it. And there was like four of us like crammed into this like glass box, like in the back of the thing, in the back of this motorbike. We, Never uh, in 2020, but of course back in, back, back in the day. In two, this is 2010. It would have yeah. been, uh, ended up having like crazy nights with him. And he was just a really, really lovely guy and really like, it was me, my brother and my cousin. And then he just kind of like swanned in and. So he made Shang- oh, made sorry made um it was Beijing sorry yeah he made Beijing just really special and every time I think of Beijing I think of being at like random bars at like two in the morning three in the morning with him just yeah. like buying rounds of shots for people and he was just a really good dude yeah awesome yeah all right the Dutchies to the Dutchies well that's gonna do it for this episode of we'd rather be traveling obviously this is a bit of a special episode whilst we can't actually be traveling but rather be in quarantine yeah um but of course you can always stay stay in touch with us through our website.
website wrbtraveling.com and we're on, on our socials so we've got Twitter and Instagram at wrbtraveling and we'll catch you next time see you then